0: the actor CEO podcast episode 32 the whole hard work aspect of it 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 doesn't end and you need to keep creatively creative problem solving
1: going up you're an actor but you're also a business take control of your career by learning how to manage it like a boss be driven be responsible be in control be an actor CEO and now your host Mike Moreno Hello again, and welcome to the Actor-CEO Podcast. Thank you for joining me on this journey of learning, exploration, and dedication. If you want to keep getting these tips and tricks from industry pros, established actors, and the fabulous, hardworking artists we bring on this program, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. That way, when you're on the go to your next audition, commuting home from work, or even at the gym, you can take a moment to listen and get some serious insight into building a better career by becoming an actor CEO. I am uh, joined by a very good friend of mine, uh, who I'm very happy to have on the show. I've been trying to get this guy on for a while. He's uh, produced a lot of work of his own, created a lot of uh, independent uh, films. Of his own you've seen him on unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt uh, what would you do if you shot here in New York City uh, how to make it in an America and colors of course on film with black dog red dog slavery by another name devoured girls uh, girls named Pinky rather uh, won multiple awards Sundance South by Southwest Toronto uh, and of course on stage here in New York City at the public bam and manhattan ensemble theater with fools in love and of course you've seen him on the triad stage and at theater row and at osf so it is amazing and i'm super stoked to have him here with me today let's jump over tyler hollinger thanks so much for joining us on the podcast one of the reasons i brought you on the show and one of the things that is so impressive to me a lot of people overlook the fact that you can actually Start creating your own work. Start making it happen for yourself. Get your friends together, get good writers, get uh, good cinematographers together, and start putting together a package that you can then deliver on, whether it's the independent film scene, Uh, now you can even shop it out to multiple uh, video outlets like Amazon and Netflix and all these other wonderful places that are looking for content. So how did you find that this was uh, an outlet for yourself, and how did you uh, really get fired up about it? what it is it's it's creative freedom
0: and you know i i always make this analogy when people ask me about well how do i do do this how do i get it to start where do i get the money how do i find the camera who do i get to work with you know that you can start doing this on your own at any point you want you don't have to have a great camera you can use your cell phone you don't have to have great sound just the act of making something happen will help you uh, towards your, your goal in the end. You know, it's always funny. Like, you always see, like, maybe you're on the golf course, you're in the tennis court, and you see the guy who's drinking the, the $5 water, and he's got the super shoes on, and the great expensive racket, and just ends up losing anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and just the act of putting putting your own work together, starting it, making it happen, whether it's good or not, it's all subjective, it's important, and and getting out there and making it happen for yourself is something that I enjoy quite
1: a bit of. So let's talk about a little bit about what that entails. I think certainly, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the starting points to be able to do that successfully, and something that you showcase through your work over and over again, is a real solid understanding of what you do very well and uh we can break it down in very simple terms as to what your type is or what your brand is and we were speaking about this before the broadcast the idea of knowing what is it that i can deliver on at like near 100 percent accuracy right now uh, so how important do you think it is and how if there are any tips that maybe you can throw out there to people just coming into the business how can you really solidify what it is that is your type what it is that is your brand what it is that you can bring to the table right now in an exceptional way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's really important. Um, Knowing who you are, having some self-awareness, is really important in knowing who you're going to play and how you're going to play them. Um, And, you know, people always say to me, like, oh, I don't want to get typecast. Well, you have to get cast first before you can get typecast. And let me tell you, playing your type, people make careers out of playing their type again and again and again and again. Some of the most successful actor friends I have, you know, they play their type in TV show after TV show after movie, and that's what they're known for. I think, you know, we need to stop, we need, we as a people need to stop harping on what we're not good at, and just double down your efforts on what you are good at you know if you play the bouncer better than anybody else like double down on that play the bouncer and to be the best bouncer you can be if you're great at comedy if you're really good at drama if you play the creep and the villain double down on that because people especially in the casting community for all the actors out there the casting directors want to put you in a box and they want to say i i'm casting the role of the villain Okay, um, I know these three people who can play villain at the drop of a hat. I don't need somebody who can act the villain. I need somebody who is the villain. And, you know, some people, regardless of their face structure, what they look like, what they sound like, they're always going to come off a little creepy. You know, they're always going to come off a little weird. Um, And for me, you know, I really enjoy comedy. That's kind of like... That's kind of like my favorite thing to do, to be honest with you, um, and I sort of doubled down my efforts in comedy. In 2014, uh, I produced the film, I wrote, produced, starred in the film, Trust Me, I'm a Lifeguard, which premiered at Tribeca Film Festival um, in 2014 and went on to just a whole slew of festivals all around the nation. Um, and then since then, I've produced a dark comedy called Pound Cake, and now coming up in a couple of weeks,
1: uh, a TV episodic pilot called Man Babies, which is my next project. That's awesome. Thanks uh, <laughs> thanks for jumping in on something that I definitely want to touch on. First of all, I want to jump in and let, uh, let our audience have a little listen if you're listening to the podcast, and of course, uh, you get to watch it as well if you're watching this on the live stream, but a taste of your... Uh, of the lifeguard film that you produced that is your that was your first project right I mean that was that's and that's a huge undertaking so first I want to give us a little taste of what it is and then I want to talk about maybe some of the misconceptions and some of the uh, lessons that you learned from putting together such a giant undertaking like that that you could uh, uh, share with others so that now we know since we're having this conversation about creating a work what it actually means to to do that
0: Wow Sandy you look great How's your family?
1: Uh, They still hate you, especially my father.
0: I didn't sleep with their stepmother. That was Murphy.
1: I need to go. Um, My man gets jealous.
0: Man? Speedo guy?
1: He's financially secure, knows eight languages, is a great cook, um, writes poetry, and donates his free time to a shelter for wayward puppies. He's also a generous lover. Very Greek, Sam. Very Greek. What does that even mean? I see you staring. No, I
0: didn't. Oh, it's okay. I'm not gay. I am gay friendly. I am Stratos Stratos from the Isle of Spidopolis. You should come to my wedding. <laughs> uh, wedding? your club tomorrow come
1: you gaze you like uh weddings yes yes so it's a great cook huh nice okay so uh so let's have a little conversation about producing your own work uh trust me i'm a lifeguard being your first uh full-blown production uh What were some of the lessons that you learned? The number
0: one piece of advice I would give anybody who is looking to create their own work is you can't be afraid to fail. You just you just can't be afraid. And and I welcome failure. In, in many aspects and I expect it and when it happens it's fine and it doesn't it doesn't get me too too happy, it doesn't get me too sad, you know, i kinda I, I kinda expect it in many ways. And you know, producing your own work, what you are doing essentially is you're putting out fires at every turn in the road. Chronologically speaking, let's back it up a little bit. I guess 2013 I started writing the project with another actor friend of mine, Christian Kyber. Um, And we put together a feature film and we just started writing a feature because I had this idea about lifeguards and the beach and I wanted to make a fun comedy and you know in that year, going back to some something that you've talked about before, Mike, uh, community, having a community of people that can help you, you have to be proactive in getting yourself out there. And by getting yourself out there, it means it's more than just like, oh, I'm taking an acting class. It's It's, you know, you go to film festivals, you go to screenings, you go to theater, you go to labs and and places where you can meet and collaborate and keep in touch with people and who knows Yeah, people who are doing what you want to do. So so you build a community of people that you can call and work for So Going off that, you know I've been in a bunch of short films and I've traveled to South by Southwest and Sundance and various festivals as an actor And I've got to meet people and I've also got to see like what plays at festivals What they accept what their taste is? programmers standpoint um, and then you know I didn't have the money to make the feature film because feature films cost like you know the lowest budget we could have done this feature film for would be a hundred thousand dollars and sadly I didn't have that kind of money yeah, Mike exactly. Uh, you know, but um, you know what we did do was decide to make a short So we cut the film cut it down into a short and then we did a staged reading of the short Find out whether or not it was funny once it was funny We started to put the pieces in play We we got a director friend of mine Tony Glazer his wife Summer Crockett Moore who's a producer Helped us put the pieces together. That would be the crew and Then we looked at locations and I have a lot of connections in the South Jersey Shore so it was like, look, we got a beach. We're all set. I know we have a beach at least we have that <laughs> You know if we have nothing left the lifeguards will be on a beach I got it. Um, And then you ask favors and you know this isn't like other businesses, you know, it's filmmaking It's fun. It's it's exciting and especially people who are outside major markets outside of New York outside of LA When they hear a film is coming to town They're all excited about it and, and you know you can ask people for favors you can ask people for you know, For things in trade. Hey, do you want to come be a part of my film? You know, I can't pay you but you know you get credit. Hey, can you donate some food? Can you donate some catering? We can't pay you, but you know, you'll be featured in this film right. And you know a lot of people just want to do it for the good time and and you know bartering hustling The whole hard work aspect of it. It, it doesn't end and you need to keep creatively creative problem-solving without a budget how do we do this shot how do we film this and not spend any money luckily you know i think comedy offers a lot of like leeway in this area you know with dramas everything's very real so when you're doing things very real things have to be done sort of by the letter they have to be realistic you know and realism costs a little bit of money when you do comedy you have a little bit of a creative freedom um, so then we got our location. We got our team together. We went down. We filmed for four days non-stop came back with a solid project cut it into a 14-minute film because I knew that at festivals You cannot have a short film longer than 14 minutes It makes it so much harder for programmers to put your film in their blocks If you have a 28-minute film a programmer looks at it like well I could have two short films in that time block and that many more butts in the seats then a 14-minute one so we had a comedy working for us we had a short one working for us we had a high production value because it was shot beautifully had great camera great actors and then i started to submit to festivals and luckily we were able to premiere a tribeca film festival in 2014. amazing
1: and and now didn't it get picked up mm-hmm. by uh, uh what is it shorts hd or something shorts like that HD. oh my god so you can see it on airlines now uh, and that's, again, another outlet that, A, didn't used to exist the way it does now because uh, anybody out there who has who's trying to put video into the hands of uh, people needs content. So uh, knowing that, you have the ability to uh, shop it around to a number of places that uh, have the ability to then distribute it to so many other content, content users. Uh, so that's fantastic. Uh, congratulations on all that success. And so taking that idea of creating your own work and learning how the process works on such a grand scale and such a uh, dynamic scale. Bringing that back to you as an actor, how has that helped you understand the process of you going out as an actor and maybe building relationships with casting directors or building relationships with directors so that when you go into that audition room time and time again, you have a maybe a deeper Understanding of how the process works, and also a finer understanding of how you can maintain yourself in the mind of the casting director in the best way possible. So I'm
0: just going to speak from the point of view of independent film here, um, just because I don't want to. I don't want to talk about TV, which is a whole other beast um, in terms of like uh, the people in the room. You know, with independent film, the number one thing that I learned from producing and writing and creating my own project is how hard. It is, and the level of respect that I have for the independent filmmaker who sacrifices so much just to get their own work done. You know, unlike television where it's funded by big studios and networks, you know, where there's a lot of outside money, you know, most independent filmmakers are funding this out of their pocket. And it makes me want to do a better job for them because I know how much they care about their project and how much
1: love they've put into it. Yeah, I think that's very well said, very well said. And uh, again, you have this perspective of being on the other side of the table, knowing how these decisions are made, knowing why many of these decisions are being made. And uh, and of course, understanding the, the passion that goes into it from the other side. And then also understanding the perspective that Let's say you know you get brought in or or the casting director um already has a relationship with you and really really likes your work but brings you in on a project and you know you don't get it that doesn't mean anything outside of the fact that it just wasn't the right time for you in this particular project and there may have been so many other causes that you know that you had no control over and so understanding that perspective Gets so much deeper when you have been on that side of things, needing to cast a project, needing to bring people in, and understanding that the yes or no uh, isn't necessarily up to the talent of the person you're bringing in. It's up to the requirements of the projects and and the need at that very moment. Uh, So jumping off of that, um, for yourself, in terms of uh, the actual nitty-gritty auditioning part of the process. Uh, what have you found to be, let's say, uh, a way you can set yourself up as an actor um, to have you know, the best audition for yourself, the, the killer audition? When you go in, uh, you've done the proper amount of preparation and you go in and you there's maybe a checklist for you that you go through in order to make sure you're putting your best foot forward in that room. And then also what you do on the other side of that uh, to allow yourself to have the proper amount of recuperation.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's all uh, just such a super question.
1: I think, uh, first of all, I want to start with a larger picture in terms
0: of, like, what this all means. Like, I used to care so much, you know what I mean? I used to overthink everything. I used to be so caught up in my my head, and I used to overprepare, and I had so much inner angst and and worry and i used to be so caught up in my own thing that i just missed it all i I missed it completely the auditions weren't as good and you know i I would end up being feeling horrible horrible for days and you know i learned how to just like not give a fuck (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know what i mean And and not that I don't care about the project or I care about the people in the room because I really do. I really care a lot about them. It's just I don't care so, so much about this one audition because from sitting on the other side of the of the room, you you see I see actors all the time auditioning for me. And, you know, a lot of times they're all great. I've been in, you know, when we were casting Lifeguard and when I'm my new project, Man Babies, it, it, the, everyone is all great. And it's really hard to choose. A lot of times it's just who's most right for the role in terms of how I see it. Um, so some tips on how to get better sanity, I would call it, in the audition room. Um, one, you know, you got to take care of your instrument. You know, drinking, alcohol, smoking, they're all things that are, that are hurting you, in my opinion having having a clear head when you go in a clear mind will help you making sure that you know the material i'm not saying that you should be off book because personally i don't like to be off book when i audition i like to be a little bit on book you know frankly i think it's called reading for a role for a reason because you have the script there if you need it and a lot of times if you're looking at the reader the entire time with this like weird laser eye it it looks strange so using the script as a tool in the audition not relying on it because you don't know the words is the difference um and you know answering the simple questions you know who's in the scene where are we in the scene what do we want how do i what are the dynamics between the characters and how do i go about getting what i want like simple practical questions that you need to have answered before you go in and then you know i do this other little thing um which helps me is is i will i'll read a scene and then i'll put it down and i'll just improvise the entire scene Mm. so like some of the lines stick in my head some don't but i'll improvise around that to kind of get my own picture in my head of how i see the scene playing out and, you know, and then I go from there to make a strong point of view, a, a, a choice, for lack of a better word, on how I want to play this. This is my version of the scene. This is my audition. This is how I would want to do this role. And then, frankly, when the audition is over, I forget about it. Right. It's on to the next thing. I don't really dwell on it. Sometimes, I guess sometimes maybe when I when I have an unfortunate audition, when I mess up some lines or I I just check out unfortunately when it doesn't go as great as I would have liked to, I might dwell on it for 15 minutes, but other than that, you know, I'm on to the next thing. I think it's very important to stay busy. Mm. So the busier you are, the less you worry about the small stuff.
1: Yeah, very well said. Hey, actors, what if I told you you could take acting class with Kevin Spacey or Dustin Hoffman? You'd freak out, right? And then you'd ask, okay, how much? Masterclass is an online learning service that gives you access to acting classes with these master actors for just 90 bucks. You can't even rent rehearsal space in New York City for that much, and you get hours of exclusive footage you won't find anywhere else, worksheets and templates and a community forum to connect you with other passionate performers. This is Access you can't find elsewhere, and the knowledge that these two titans of film and stage deliver in these courses is priceless. Click the link on the homepage at actorceo.com or find it on the resources page at actorceo.com slash resources. Masterclass provides phenomenal content, so don't miss your chance to learn from the greats. Now back to the show. And that sort of leads me to my next question and a larger point that we talk about on the podcast all the time. And, and, uh, you know, frequent listeners will will hear this mentioned all the time is the concept of having a plan so coming into an audition like you just said uh, not dwelling on on what just happened and moving on to the next thing having a next thing having a path forward having a direction in which you are trying to go let's say you're specifically focusing on comedy let's say 2017 is the year that you are like you know what I'm a comic, i a comic actor, I have It'll these, funny yeah, I, it's gonna be a funny year, I've got these really strong chops, and you know, I haven't been seen in this way as much as I would like to, so I would really like to showcase these skills, uh, let's create a plan, let's, uh, you know, dive in deep and find out, okay, here's where I want to be at the end of the year, how do I get, what are the 10 steps before that happens, and then what are the 10 steps before I get to that to the mid-range do you find uh, setting yourself up like that with s- with certain specific goals and uh, a path to get to them is very useful
0: for you? yeah um, why don't I speak about um, producing your own comedy work in in this yeah, respect yeah, yeah. Um, because right now I'm in the midst of it so I'm in the weeds okay. of producing my own next comedy pilot called man babies and you can follow you can follow our journey on Instagram at man babies funny haha apparently man babies was already taken i guess <laughs> it's the
1: internet
0: unbelievable <laughs> um, and uh, you know man babies started out i um, i had this idea um, and i wanted to write a script about it and and the plot basically centers around the world's first pregnant man and the mystery behind how he became that way and you know the jo- i'm i'm well aware that the joke of a pregnant man wears off in the you know first couple episodes but it, what what i've written is and it's kind of like this weird hardy boy's journey where these two best friends go on this journey where every episode they're solving the mystery of how he became pregnant. So it starts with the script. Well, it starts with the idea. Then the script and you know, figuring out how to write the most interesting story possible. So um, I wrote uh, the script and then the next logical step Usually what I do is do a staged reading to find out is it funny to other people or is it just funny to me, which, you know, is the number one thing I would encourage for a lot of people. If what you're doing doesn't excite you, doesn't make you laugh, then you're not doing it right. If it's not funny to you, it won't be funny to anyone else. So if you have a scene you're working on or if you're writing something, if you're not laughing, nobody else will be laughing. Um, And then what I did then is I, you know, I have an indie indie mindset in my head always. I'm writing with the idea of how can I make this happen for as cheap as possible. So there's no car crashes. (laughs) There's no CGI. There's no, you know... Blood. There's no special effects. There's no makeup. All that really translate into costing a lot of money. How can you make something like the Duplass brothers are big inspiration guys to me. And if you haven't seen their films, uh, you know uh, the puffy chair is a is a work of art in terms of like how to make a film that's interesting and watchable as cheaply as possible. So. Um, my friend Allison who Who owns the foundry is it has a beautiful location? So then I I sculpted the script the pilot script around this location Because I knew we could have many different rooms in one space to save on the price right. Then I got my friends involved and I wrote the roles in In the pilot specifically for these people and it's very easy to convince an actor when you go up to them and you say I've written a role for you (laughs) and they go oh really you know yeah it's actually your name so you know (laughs) and lucky and luckily enough my friend said yes and and then you know you you ask people to wear many hats in independent cinema so you know uh, Robin Rose singer who is a talented actress is also a talented line producer so um, myself, I'm not only acting in the project, but I'm going to be directing the project. And we have Fern Cozine, who's not only an amazing actress, but she's also doing the wardrobe. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the double duty of people in a project, in a film, can help you save dollars on the back end, but also creates more of a community around the project to begin with. Um, and then you pick a date, and, and you choose a date That that's on the weekend. So make sure you're always filming on the weekend because the rental houses will give you a super discount when you're filming because there's no competition for your lenses for your lights for your equipment because most productions which have a lot of money are filming Monday to Monday through Friday. Uh, So those, those costs per item are much higher. And if you can film on a holiday weekend, that's even better where there's a Monday off because you'll get even more value, even more bang for your buck. You should form a company if you're going to make your own independent cinema for a couple of reasons tax purposes being one of them second of all you need insurance and you need to get permits to get permits you need insurance to film at locations you need insurance to get insurance you need to form a company um this also protects you from a liability from a business standpoint Once you've chosen your date, once you've got your cast and your crew, then, you know, I think you fine-tune your vision Um, I'm going to be first time directing on this project and I'm very excited about it because it's really Literally taking how I see the comedy how I see the show and putting it on paper doing storyboards drawing it out Sending vision boards sending mood boards character boards building these things before you get to shooting so you have a clear idea of what you want and what's funny and why it's funny right. and h- how I can pack as many different layers as possible into my project because of the uniqueness that I see in my head. Usually what I do is I steal from a lot of different people. Mm. Like, oh, I like how Wes Anderson did that. And I liked how Quentin Tarantino did that. And I liked how, you know, uh, Charlie Brown, the, the cartoons, right. I like how they did that, right. you know, and I'll just like mesh it all together sure. into something. And, and that's how you can
1: practically produce things on your own. Man, what what an amazing answer! That's uh, that. There's so much that goes into uh, creating your own production, like you said, and uh, so much to keep track of. But the experience is unlike any other and will really set you apart when it comes to uh, working on a set or when it comes to uh, really having a big understanding of how, how you can, what your piece is as an actor uh, in the grand scheme of things. So I think it's a immense experience if anybody can get it. uh, And it's so much easier nowadays. Uh, Not that it's, you know, the easiest thing in the world, but, uh, it, it, has gotten a lot easier, uh, with the way that, uh, equipment has come down in cost and the way that you can broadcast now. Um, so I, I definitely get on it. Uh, producer own work is, is, is the way to go. Um, so Tyler, let me, uh, let me take this down then to, we've just spoken about all these things that you're involved in. Uh, you know, you're writing and directing on this project. There's a lot going on. Uh, And then, of course, you're also working as an actor and, you know, whatever else you do in in the rest of your life. As many of us, we wear so many different hats. Uh, So we're running throughout the day and we're being, you know, three, four, five different people on any given day because we have all of these responsibilities. What do you do for yourself and what do you find works best for you to give yourself some time to focus and give yourself some space to ground yourself are there methods or practices that you use that uh help you um relieve stress and bring yourself back to uh being a nice centered human being
0: (laughs) yeah uh, you know i'm probably not the right guy to talk to about this you could probably find much other better like actors who handle and manage their like time stress work life whatever that means to you better than me like like with me it is seven days it is 365 it is from the morning i wake up to when i go to sleep it doesn't stop um you know so i'm always thinking and and i'm always looking it's always got to be on the top of your mind what you want because you'll never know who you meet or where you'll be and you'll see like wait a minute I could ask that person if they can give me a deal on lights because maybe I can give them credit in the film, and then you know they can show up on the day, walk by in the background, boom, we got a deal, right? Um, I'm always hustling. That's that's kind of the the gist of the matter on this. Um, you know, I exercise a lot. That's great for stress. Um, I uh, I try to read. I wish I re- would read more. But I don't I don't read as much as I'd like to. I listen to a lot of podcasts um, and uh, you know I watch a lot of independent cinema and I encourage people to build your community through art. So I see a lot of theater I go to museums, I go to film premieres. If you have a film festival and I can't stress this enough for anyone who's starting out, if you have a film festival in your town, Become a part of it, volunteer, get involved. Those people are the people who want to make cinema, who want to be around films. And those people, whenever the film festival happens, people come to that film festival who are interested in films. And, you know, you can meet a lot of different people in that area. As far as the the de-stress-your-life approach, I'm really not the guy to talk to about that.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. The... Mentioning a film festival, though, I mean, that's absolutely true. Again, find the community, right? Find find the community. find the community where people are involved in making it happen. And then you can find people who are on your level or 5, 10, 15 steps ahead of you that you can connect with and start moving through uh, that process and, and building your own network and community. Uh, so true, man. So true. Uh, so uh, you've also had the experience of diving into the creative arts as a writer because... Obviously, like uh, watching. Trust me, I'm a lifeguard. You, you were a writer on that, uh, and you've been involved in in that capacity on a number of other projects. What is it about the writing side of storytelling? that is unique and uh, allows you to explore your passion in a, in, in a sort of different way? What is it uh, about the writing side that really excites you?
0: You know, I used to make this joke a while ago. I was like, why the hell would I want to be a writer and be alone with all my demons? <laughs> Which, you know, is how I view writing because it's a solitary act. You have to, It takes my full concentration. I can't be bothered by anybody when I'm writing. I need total focus when I write and when I write it comes out like a fucking shitstorm. like I sit down and it just vomits from the mouth like non-stop pouring ideas out of my head where like I can't get everything I want on the page and I just hope I'm typing fast enough basically that's my problem I wish I had a faucet and I could just like you know dial it down to a nice cool stream right. and then other times it just nothing comes out And you sit there and you're like, I don't even know what I'm, I have such a writer's block, or I don't know where this is going. And when that happens to me, what I do is I just write. I just start writing. I will write anything. Usually what I do is I write little short stories, like nickel stories, you know, three page little thingies. Um, Just because the act of typing, the act of writing then will get you in the mindset. it will like clear the head for like the project you're actually trying to write. Um, translating writing to acting now, I have a lot more respect for the writer and his choice of words, you know, than I used to. Um, I'm also big into improv. I'm Meisner-trained actor, and comedy improv is something that I really like quite a bit. So, in my projects, I encourage my actors to do scripted improv, so I want you to improv around the lines, I just don't want you to make up plot
1: lines. <laughs> basically yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have we all have a, a goal that we're trying to work towards we can't go off the off the rails um and you know that
0: creative outlet of writing is different than that of acting um, and y- with writing you kind of have to see the big picture and the little picture all at the same time I don't know if that really makes sense oh, but yeah. but you have to have an idea of like the whole thing and how things happen in your story what happens that leads to this happening that leads to that happening that makes this thing finally happen having that idea of the big picture while writing this the dialogue is important because dialogue has to sound natural it has to sound like an everyday sort of speak but yet as a writer you're moving your characters in directions that you want them to go So they can be a part of the bigger picture It's it's a delicate dance Um, And then I'll speak one word about like revisions because I'm a big fan of revisions And I think that whenever you stifle yourself from a writing standpoint whenever you say no, that's stupid No, that's not funny. What you're doing is you're like cutting off the creativity and I can't stress enough How you need to censor that demon in your head or that vampire in your brain that says you're not funny You're not talented. This is bad that inner critic That lives with us always Uh, Someone said to me a while ago that there is no good or bad. There's just different and I try to think about that a lot of times especially with acting with auditioning There's no good or bad. There's just different. You know, I say this to my friends a lot of times, well, if a critic in the New York Times saw you in a play and said you were the worst actor ever, would you just stop? (laughs) Or would you say, Oh, that's just one person's opinion. And from a writing standpoint, when you cut yourself off, when you say that that's not good enough, then you're not writing, and you stop writing. And this is where revisions come in. I think it's important to write your script, get it out there, then I think it's important to let it sit, and then go back. I'd be like, how can I, like a piece of clay, how can I mold this into a better vision of what I'm trying to accomplish? And I'm trimming, and I'm cutting, and I'm cutting, and I'm trimming. Because as an indie filmmaker, the longer your script, more expensive. <laughs> so, so from from the practical, from the actor, businessman, writer, you know, you gotta get to the point. And you gotta get as much impact as possible in your short amount of time.
1: Yeah. Very, very true. Very true. Uh, that's that's great information to keep in mind. Uh, definitely, the condensing your concepts uh, is so useful for you. Hey actors, if you want to show your love for this show and all the amazing info we get from our guests, head to actorceo.com slash resources to buy your next book on acting, your next piece of self-tape gear, or your next awesome video series like Acting Shakespeare. You're going to make that purchase anyway, and this way you can show a little support for this podcast you love and all the people that make it happen. Thank you for joining me on this journey, and I cannot wait to keep delivering great guests and outstanding info on how to treat your career like a business throughout the year. Now, back to the show uh so last question and uh uh, this you know this goes back to the broad concept of what uh the actor ceo here is all about but uh do you have is there a piece of advice that has stuck with you over the course of uh your career uh, about the business, about whether it's the business of acting or whether it's the business of producing on the on the larger scale or whether it's the business of you being in the business and in the creative arts and handling yourself over the course of time and having some sort of sustainability. Is there some mantra or some piece of advice that has stuck with you that uh, you'd like to share with our listeners that you think is the best piece of advice that you've gotten about it?
0: You know, I think I think I got it. I feel like, you know, I've had the great... Pleasure of studying with a great many brilliant actors and teachers Um, Reed Bernie who's a Tony winner and my acting coach for many many years said to me that uh, In regards to auditioning and being in the business um, If the train doesn't stop at your station, it wasn't your train Which means if you don't get cast in the role like move the fuck on You know what? I mean don't dwell on this stuff and You know, stop, stop feeling like, like, you know, stop feeling so miserable because I didn't get cast in Law and Order or I didn't get this Blue Blood's job or, or this short film because there's always more. There's always things that are more important than you. There's more important things out there. And this is one thing that taking it back to creating your own work How much I love to create my own work. Like I love it. It it is so invigorating to me. It it is energizing because then like I have the control. Then I have the creative freedom to do what I want, how I want, and not having to rely on somebody's opinion or somebody's taste. Because you know I always think like, why are we doing all this? And I think
1: in the end, you got to be doing it for yourself absolutely man thank you so much for uh, that insight and uh, sharing your experience with us but let me uh, give you the opportunity to tell everybody where they can find you and your work and uh, what's upcoming for you
0: I'm, I'm a big Instagram guy I think that is the I think that is the way uh, to do it in today's day and age um, Instagram is it for me. T Hollinger. That's T H O L L I N G E R. Follow me on Instagram. You can follow Man Babies Funny, haha, on Instagram as well. And those are all really, really great resources. I'm on Facebook at Tyler Hollinger. I'm on Twitter at Tyler T Hollinger. And you can see me on Snapchat at T Hollinger Snaps.
1: Thanks for joining us on our Facebook Live podcast. Thank you, Tyler, for uh, joining us here today. Uh, as always you can find us actor CEO. We'll show the uh, share image here, actor Uh actor CEO on Facebook and Twitter. And of course you can always listen and subscribe to the iTunes, Google Play or Stitcher podcast stream. Thanks again. We will see you around next time. You can find all the resources for this episode in the show notes at actorceo.com slash 32. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the Actor CEO Podcast on iTunes and at actorceo.com.